0: Welcome to the Chrisman Commentary, Daily Mortgage News Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Chrisman. Topics on today's episode include my interview with Pam Faulkner, Simple Nexus' VP of Customer Journey on eClose and helping lenders implement technology, and what inflation has done to rates over the last couple of days. While we await FEMA to declare the Yellowstone area a disaster, is niches to riches the new informal slogan of loan officers? LOs are certainly watching how higher interest rates have already impacted American homeownership as rising mortgage rates and house prices reduce buyer affordability. At the other end of the loan process, making the rounds, which Capital Market staff say is causing confusion via Zero Hedge, is a blog post from Louis Barnes at Cherry Creek Mortgage declaring MBS going no bid. While many of us can agree liquidity isn't what it once was, there are still massive volumes of mortgage-backed securities being transacted upon daily bid Ask spreads are certainly not as tight as they once were, but are a far cry from the early days of the COVID 19 pandemic, where some dealers outright refused to trade TBAs. In other words, liquidity isn't what it is in a normal market, and bid ask spreads are wider, but no one I've spoken to is having issues trading current coupon MBS. Capital markets folks are talking about interest rates going to do what they're going to do, offering new products to their originators, Jenny Mae's digital collateral program. MBA's SPCP Toolkit, and FHFA's Equitable Housing Finance Plans and Transparency Framework. Today's podcast is brought to you by Simple Nexus, an Encino company and award winning developer of mobile first technology for the modern mortgage lender. Nexus Closing brings together mortgage stakeholders for a collaborative closing experience. Using the Simple Nexus closing portal, lenders can electronically distribute closing packages to settlement partners while real-time tracking and workflow management helps closings run smooth and on time. Speaking of which, for today's interview, I wanted to welcome onto the show Pam Faulkner, Vice President of Customer Journey at Simple Nexus. Pam has over 35 years of experience in the mortgage industry, exemplified in every client-employee interaction she has at Simple Nexus. She brings boots-on-the-ground experience from varying career roles, including everything from accounting to operations management, and couples it with a passion for technology education. She always shares her knowledge and skills with everyone she interacts with and guides peers to find the perfect solution for the unique opportunity they are tackling. I'm happy to have her on the show today. You lead the customer journey efforts at Simple Nexus. Can you tell us a little about your experience and what you love about the mortgage industry?
1: Sure. So I started my career in 1985. And back in the day, you had typewriters and there was really no true school of uh, mortgage banking per se. I mean, MBA was there and offered things, but, you know, your education was really the school of hard knocks. Uh, You came along, you met with your peers. They tried to teach you what they could in the middle of crisis while they're trying to learn new products, et cetera. And so looking at that, looking at how fast paced mortgage is, you know, it was a baptism by fire, um, and I think that's what I love the most about mortgage. Is it's an it's an ever evolving event. Um, if you don't like it, hang around six months. Um, a regulation is going to change. There's a new product coming onto the market. Uh, something's going to happen, and it's it's ever evolving, and and it's exciting. You never have the same day twice, and with that, you know, it comes to. The venue of, you know, how does everybody learn? And I think that's been the biggest driving factor of my career um, during that timeframe is how do I help people learn faster, more effectively? What can I do to help them get through the process and learn it, feel proficient at it, and have that same drive and passion I do about what's next? And I think that falls over into what I do here for um, customer journey, because I'm looking at what do we do to help the lenders? What do we do to help their uh, loan officers achieve that? How do we adopt the technology into that and, you know, make it more proficient?
0: Yeah, and I did did want to talk about the customer journey efforts very quickly, if we could take a step back. Can you talk about what it is, how it came to fruition, uh, changes that you've been able to implement, those sorts of things? Sure.
1: We had a very um, insightful um, consultation with a lady named Kia Poon, and she really was focusing on what does it mean to be, you know, customer centric. And so we did a whole format of looking at customer journey and Out of that came this whole evolution of what do we do to help precipitate that for for our lenders? And that meant looking at it from the lens of what do they go through on a day-to-day? How do we create not only the software to help them, but how do we educate them? How do we support them? How are we um, channeling requests that come through, ideas that come through? And so being part of the customer journey, it means that we do education We're looking at self-help through our Ask Nexus website. And then we also work on customer issues. You know, are they adopting? What does it take to adopt? You know, are they struggling with, you know, support? How are they being um, treated on the day-to-day? What does that look like? How do we actually facilitate that? And so customer journey is from the point of time that they purchase the software all the way through implementation. continuation with their contracts and how they do the day-to-day and how do we make it better?
0: So technology adoption can play a pivotal role in a lender's overall success. What strategies have you seen that are helping lenders execute technology adoption the right way?
1: A lot of times when we deal with lenders, you know, everyone's always wanting to buy the latest and greatest. I think the most successful strategy I've seen is when a lender actually starts talking to internal staff members, whether that's the everyday user or the the managers of those departments, and they uncover, you know, what are the pain points? What are we trying to solve for? What are the gaps? you know, is the technology that we're looking at user-friendly and customer-friendly? You know, a lot of times when we buy stuff, we look at it, can my user actually utilize it? But then when we actually put it in front of our, uh, our borrower partners or our uh, real estate partners or whomever, we find they get started in it and it's just so difficult, they just stop using it. So you want to hit that nice, pleasant, even pace there. And that comes with actually having discussions, getting the buy-in, making sure everybody's on board and you have meaning conversation, meaningful conversations with everybody throughout. And then once you do that, I feel adoption comes naturally.
0: And I would add that I, I think lenders are bombarded by vendors with, oh, this is the latest and greatest. You need this. <laughs> but it's it's very important for one's tech stack to play nicely with itself. You might have a bunch of different best of breed technologies, but if they're not communicating well, then the whole the whole technological revolution was almost moot at your company.
1: You know, I agree with that. And given where I've watched technology happen over the years, um, I can even think back to when I was presented a piece of software and we found out after we implemented it, it was really only half-baked. It didn't talk to any of our platforms, let alone our core servicing platform and it kind of died on the vine after 18 months. And that was, uh, I, I remember that very vividly. And to me, that's thats one of the biggest things that I learned out of all of that is make sure we all know what it is we're trying to solve for. Make sure it plays well and it integrates well. And I'm not having to throw human bodies at the end of it to make it connect to something else.
0: Very well said. So I want to talk to you about e very quickly. There sure. may be some... there. There may be hesitancy for some lenders around e close technology because it is fairly new, and I guess it's been uh, it came to the forefront because of COVID and and people uh, wanting to close remotely. Do objections surrounding e close mirror any past concerns, such as when point of sale solutions were the big new focus within the industry?
1: I think as we go through the mortgage industry, you know, we all want technology changes and including myself back in the day, I can remember this, you know, oh, I want the latest and greatest, but then I get, there's several factors into this. How is it impacting my job? Am I in fear of losing my job? Um, The other thing of it is the investor going to buy my loans. And I think that's the largest one that I hear on a day to day. You know, am I approved? Am I going to have buybacks? What is this going to mean for me? And, you know, are my partners, my settlement agents, my title companies, my attorneys, are they buying in with me? Are they actually adopting? Or are they becoming a stumbling block in my process? So there's a lot of factors in play. And I think the better that lenders focus on creating a conversation with their partners, their investors, and everyone, I think it goes smoother. But that unknown up front, specifically around investors, and where can I sell my loans? I think that's a big factor in everything that they do on a day-to-day.
0: I mean, you've been in the mortgage industry for a long time. So you've seen market cycles come and go. And, and we've been talking about the digitization of the mortgage process for the last several years. Now, what are still the big hesitancies or reluctancies? on parts of those that, that could be adopting this, uh, what, what do they feel like is is holding them back or or why, why, why is the industry not fully digitized at this point?
1: I think a large part of it is everybody does not go back and reevaluate their processes. So you always build For what happened in the past? How do I stop a compliance issue from reoccurring? How do I stop fraud from reoccurring? And we put a lot of manual places or placeholders in there and we try to troubleshoot that and we come back and we're always building on top of that. But when we get to technology, I don't know that we all think further enough ahead to offset what we've already instilled in the past. And by that, I mean, you know, you've always had human capital to go and check recheck and re-recheck. Well, technology can drive a lot of that, but if we're not successful in explaining that as a vendor to our customers, then they're still going to go through that same repetition over and over of building for what happened in the past, if that makes sense.
0: It does make sense. Uh, And I want to thank you for coming on and talking to me today. I thought this, this was great and I really enjoyed it.
1: Well, I hope I answered everything successfully, or at least clearly.
0: (laughs) You certainly did. Markets flashed red yesterday, bond prices down, rates up, as investors priced in bigger Fed rate hikes in the aftermath of Friday's consumer inflation report. It was risk-off all around with Treasuries and equities tumbling, along with most other U.S. financial assets, with the bond sell-off accelerating after the close. Treasuries flashed a recession warning, The U.S. yield curve inverted with two-year note yields exceeding those on benchmark 10-year debt for the first time since early April. Treasury 10-year yields climbed to the highest level since 2011, while two-year rates jumped to levels last seen before the 2008 financial crisis. Mortgage News Daily's 30-year rate yesterday broke above 6% to 6.13% for the first time since 2008. Traders are betting the Federal Reserve will raise rates by 75 basis points at least once in its next three meetings with some people saying that the big hike might happen at this week's meeting. The last time we saw that was November 1994. The Fed is almost assuredly going to increase the Fed funds rate by 50 basis points at its meeting this week, rather than 75 basis points, but traders will pour over the statement language for the degree of hawkishness. A booming economy, record low unemployment, strong earning estimates, and consumers flushed with cash should be able to withstand some tightening. But rates are already high for consumers. Yesterday afternoon, the desk released the MBS purchase estimate for the June 14th to July 14th period, which totaled $13 billion as expected, including the $17.5 billion taper. The desk also released a new schedule covering the June 14th to 28th period, totaling $6.2 billion and including the addition of some 5% to UMBS 30s at the expense of 3.5%, which any 4 is targeting 4% and 4.5%, and UMBS 15s, 3.5% and 4%. There is one operation per business day over the schedule with 5 in UMBS 30s, 3 in Genie 2s, and 2 in UMBS 15s. Today's schedule sees the desk in UMBS 34%, percent 4.5% for up to $920 million. Today brought another important inflation indicator with the May producer price index, which was up 0.8% for the month and 10.8% year-over-year versus expectations of 1.2% month-over-month and 11.3% year-over-year. NFIB Small Business Optimism was also released down 0.1 to 93.1. Day one of the two-day Federal Open Market Committee meeting gets underway in Washington, D.C. shortly. We begin the day with agency MBS prices better by an eighth to a quarter and the tenure yielding 3.32 after closing yesterday at 3.37%. Let's wrap up with a joke and some housekeeping. After retiring, a Marine Corps gunnery sergeant took a new job as a high school teacher. Just before the school year started, he injured his back, so he was required to wear a light plaster cast around the upper part of his body. Fortunately, the cast fit under his shirt and wasn't noticeable when he wore his suit coat. On the first day of class, he found himself assigned to the toughest students in the school. The smart punks, having already heard the new teacher was a former Marine, were leery of him and knew they would be testing his discipline in the classroom. Walking confidently into the rowdy classroom, the new teacher opened the window wide and sat down at his desk. With a strong breeze blowing, it made his tie flap. He picked up a stapler and stapled the tie to his chest. Dead silence. Suffice it to say, the rest of the year went smoothly. <laughs> Thanks again to today's podcast sponsor, Simple Nexus, the home ownership platform that unites the people, systems, and stages of the mortgage process into one seamless end-to-end solution that spans engagement, origination, closing. And business intelligence. To learn more about Simple Nexus, an Encino company? Visit SimpleNexus.com. If you have any questions about the podcast or sponsoring opportunities, send me an email at Robbie at RobCrisman.com. Visit RobCrisman.com for more information on our industry partners, access to archived commentaries, and how to subscribe to the Daily Mortgage News and Commentary. To listen to or download past episodes of this podcast, Search Mortgage News on any platform you get your podcast from.